1: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com.
0: Welcome back to another episode on your Over the Monster podcast feed. Uh, we are back with you again right after the game, and uh, this time the Spirits are a little higher. Red Sox coming off a big game to win. Uh, they take it 14-6 to down in Tampa. Uh, today it's just two of us. It is myself and Keaton, and uh, Keaton... I think uh we got basically the two polar opposite experiences with these first two games and uh fortunately today. Today is the positive end of that spectrum.
1: Yeah. Um without having watched the game, if you told me you got one inning and five runs out of Chris Sale but walked away with a win, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh yeah, it went from feeling very happy to very sad to very, very happy.
0: That was it was uh I mean it was all around great, um other than I guess Chris Sale. Um, but sort of similar to the first game, um, obviously the result wasn't the same, but short outing and then a good relief appearance after, except instead of being pretty good like Nick Pavetta was on Thursday, uh, Tanner Houck was out of his mind, uh, for five innings, but, um, yeah, I guess we could start there. I mean, it's sort of the game. I think the story of the game turned out to be the offense, but as I was watching it, um, for most of it, it kind of felt like the Tanner Hauk game. I mean, he was just, like I said, he was unbelievable. He did give up one run um, on a solo homer that just barely cleared the fence and maybe it was fan interference. It was extremely close either way, but um, five innings, five strikeouts. Uh, At one point, he had gone dating back to um, his second-to-last regular season outing. uh, He retired 30 straight batters, um, a streak that was – broken up by Wander Franco in this game, but, I mean, he's just been on a roll, and I, he's such he's such a big weapon, especially... I mean, the stuff is obviously great, but just the thing that stood out with him, even going back to last summer when he made his debut, is that he just never seems affected at all by the environment that he's in, and that's obviously key for the playoffs, and it's not changing. I mean, just, he was... Like I said, I mean, I, I think the offense is the story of the game, but Tanner Houck really stood out in a big way here
1: yeah for sure and I think um I mean this outing was obviously huge and it kind of puts him up there with like the Evaldi Pedro postseason relief appearance relief appearance lore uh with the Red Sox because the Red Sox didn't get all those runs back immediately it took him until the fifth inning to take the lead again uh and that was after three innings of work from Tanner Houck and to have the reassurance of the offense going up to bat that um, you could just kind of slowly claw it back, but you knew when Tanner Hawk was on the mound, he wasn't going to give up any runs and give you a chance again in the top half of the next inning. It helps boost the confidence of the offense to keep rolling, keep clawing back, and then you know eventually they broke it open in the seventh, eighth, and ninth.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right that it is um sort of approaching that pantheon that you were talking about. I, I don't expect that it would get that credit it's just because – the game ended up being so lopsided and the offense took over and it doesn't, in hindsight doesn't look like that, but you're right, I mean it didn't when he came in, it felt like the game was essentially over um, it was only a three-run game, but just the it felt deflating and really the the, the Red Sox had a chance in the second right after an answer back when they got a leadoff single to start off the second and they didn't get it um, it kind of felt like the game was over to me at that point and Hauk, Hauk totally saved it, you're right, and I mean I think this, we don't have to spend really much time at all on it, but I think this offseason is going to be spent, a lot of it is going to be spent wondering what the future is for Tanner Hunk and what his role is. But I mean, I said it, other people said it um, during his game tonight. It almost doesn't matter what his role is because whatever he does, it's going to be exciting. I mean, he's just that kind of pitcher. He, He doesn't, he's not just good, he's like incredibly fun to watch.
1: Yeah, adding that sinker, and even tonight he kind of had a feel for a changeup a bit too, giving him five pitches to work with. that's pretty hard to (laughs) kind of like, uh, specifically having the sinker working. I know there's been a lot of stories um, like kind of towards the end of the season about him kind of um, by like chance picking that up in the beginning of the season, getting more and more comfortable with it. And it really kind of shows because he's able to mix his pitches really far more significantly than he was in the beginning of the season keeping guys on their toes a lot more and just looks far more electric and it just kind of continues to build his confidence with every single outing.
0: Yeah, he had um he had five whiffs on the sinker. He threw nine of them. Um he got seven slings <laughs> and five of them were whiffs. I mean that that's outrageous.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, absolutely especially, insane. Especially for a pitch he just learned. Like yeah. <laughs> that is just wild feel.
0: It's crazy. And I mean I mean his slider was he had one slider that um You'll see. You can just go to Pitching Ninja. I'm sure it's been retweeted like 500 times by now. The Franco um, one, yeah, the one to Franco. I mean, that was <laughs> that was stupid. That can't be, <laughs> yep. that can't be allowed. Um, but yeah, I mean, how? Like I said, I think Calico is one of the major stories, and obviously, the offense as well. The Red Sox scored 14 runs, um, got 20 hits. They had five home runs, four of which the first four came on two strikes. Which I think, um, I think that's significant, just in that. The Red Sox have been really good, or at least in the first half, they were really good with two strikes um, and two outs, and that sort of came back here, um, just never really giving up in that bat, and Kike Hernandez and J.D. Martinez in particular stood out. They each had a home run. Kike had five hits, four of which went for extra paces. Uh, J.D. had four hits, um, obviously coming off that ankle injury, and just... Basically the entire offense was there. Hunter Renfro didn't have a great game. Christian Royal looked bad. Uh, Kyle Schwarber had some bad at bats. But the two through mainly the two through eight guys, I mean, there was just an unstoppable machine. That whole that whole lineup was just a force tonight. And um I mean I think the key is that Righties with velocity. It seems like that's those are the guys that the Red Sox want to face, and they got to Baz. They got to McHugh. McHugh doesn't have huge velocity, but um I mean, I think Baz. They just got in a rhythm early, and that's it was just over from there.
1: Yeah, and this is kind of how we've seen the offense work all season. So uh, I compiled some of these numbers before because that some things stood out to me. Kind of that. They- Similar to what you were just outlining, but the batters two through six have 23 of the 29 hits in this series. The uh, 7 8 9 1 are only six for 35, which is 171. But that's how the offense has, has really yeah. lived and survived all year. We've, I mean, how many times have we talked about uh, the top of the order being an issue and they've had, I don't know, probably six, seven, eight different leadoff hitters throughout the course of the season? We've spent a lot of time talking about the bottom of the order. Uh, but even if they struggle, It doesn't matter because the the middle of the order is so freaking good when they're going. And that's when the Red Sox have had their issues in scoring runs and not being able to string runs together. It's because that middle of the order gets neutralized. And you kind of saw it to an extent yesterday. The middle of the order had uh, seven of the nine hits yesterday. They were just all singles and couldn't put any together to score any runs. And that really is kind of the recipe for beating the Red Sox. The issue is whoever is in that two to six range is not going to be an easy out every single time they're up. And you're not going to be able to keep that offense down for long. And today was really kind of just that muscling out of, uh, being stifled yesterday and kind of taking out some of that frustration.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's funny. You're right about that. Um, especially with the leadoff spot all year, it's, it's kind of ironic though, that, uh, Kike was a big part of the offense tonight. He was in, he hit second in this game, but he was, um, at least in the first half, he was the guy we're kind of pulling our hair out in the leadoff spot about for a lot. Um, early in the season. But yeah, I mean, you were talking about how to beat the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox figure out how to beat the Rays, or at least, I mean, it's easier said than done. It's the happy Gilmore scene where he gets a hole-in-one, and he says, oh, I'm gonna just do that every time. That's way easier, but we talked, (laughs) we spent uh, the whole first, after the first game, the whole podcast basically talking about the Rays' defense and their positioning and how it's so hard to get hits off them, while the one place they can't position their uh, fielders is in the stands, and you hit the ball over the fence, there's nothing they can do about it. The Red Sox hit five home runs. And I know people say that October is for small ball and all that, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's not the case, especially against a team like the Rays who are going to play great defense and they're going to, They're not going to give you a lot of walks. It's going to be hard to string together those rallies. You got to hit the ball over the fence of the Red Sox. um, I mean, they just—I'm not expecting five home runs every game, but it's nice to see them taking advantage of some mistakes and
1: really punishing them and punishing them in the air and not hitting grounders or low line drives. And seeing Devers get one too and not look uncomfortable on the swing seemed like a positive step.
0: J D too. I mean they both the two injured guys. Um Devers didn't have a huge game. The home run was his only hit. He did draw two blocks though. Um but yeah, I mean that home run. Um I saw I should know um who said this, but I don't remember where I read it. But somebody was talking about his injury, um, wrote an article today about his injury and it said that it hurt when he swung and missed, but when he made contact it didn't. Um, I don't know enough about the human body to understand how that works, but um, I'll take his word for it. And yeah, you're right. It certainly didn't look like it hurt
1: uh, when he hit that home run. And that home run was a bomb. Yeah. So that, that kind of falls into the theme of the night, right? Well, if it doesn't hurt when you make contact, then just make <laughs> just contact, make contact. Every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. bullpen pitched pretty well um obviously we talked about how he was outstanding but after how uh, three guys came in ryan Prazier came in was unbelievable Prazier is just on one right now i don't understand i don't
1: every time he comes
0: in i still get a little nervous but he came in he struck out the side um all three batters he faced he's i mean he's up there with whitlock and Robles right now? I mean, I guess Hauk is there too, but he's Hauk is going to be out of commission I'm guessing for at least the next game. Um, probably the next two. Is it like Whitlock, Robles, Brazier now? Am I forgetting something? Maybe Josh Taylor if the matchups call for it, but I mean, it, Brazier is in that group and it happened in the blink of an eye.
1: Yeah. Um, that is, I believe, exactly the three, the order of the three that I had. So on the, uh, the preview pod a couple days ago, uh, we talked about, like, ranking the bullpen arms and how confident you are. And I'm pretty sure that was the – Whitlock was the number one for all of us. Yeah. Robles with the way he's been going. And then Brazier. And Brazier's one of those guys that, particularly with bullpen guys, Cora, like, just – he finds a guy and really kind of sticks with him for better for worse. And more often than not, it works out. But Brazier's one of those guys. There's been a lot of times where I've had just absolutely no faith in Brazier, but Cora keeps going to him and he's kind of repaying that faith with him now with this extended run of success that he's had that, um, coming in, in a pinch in the situation to get three strikeouts, uh, limit the damage and get out of it was huge.
0: Yeah. And did it quickly. I mean, 13 pitches, um, his slider was awesome. I mean, he threw a few just nasty sliders. The velocity was up on his fastball. He's, he's looking, he's looking like he did in 2018, which is a very good thing. Um, Robles also came in, um, looked good, did give up a hit, but struck out two, didn't give up a run. Um, I think Robles um, is obviously pretty established in that late-inning situation. And then Matt Barnes came in for the ninth. Um, Matt Barnes was added to the roster before this game. Garrett Richards uh, was taken off the roster with a hamstring issue, so if the Red Sox do make it into the ALCS, Richards cannot be there for that. But uh, Barnes came in for some, uh, I guess, mop-up duty. It was... Um, I don't know if it's still mop-up if you're leading, but he came in for blowout duty, uh, the eight-run lead. He did not look good. He walked a couple guys, gave him a hit, but still didn't give up a run. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's really worth talking much about Barnes right now just because that's probably a conversation for the offseason, but at this point, he's, yeah. just, he's just a low-leverage guy, and that's what he was today. And it was kind of infuriating to watch, and it was annoying because I just wanted to get the game over with so I could get <laughs> better yeah. earlier, but... uh No harm, no foul. It it is what it is.
1: Yeah, and a small correction. I found my list. It was Whitlock, Hauk, then um, Robles, and Brazier.
0: And I think Hauk is still obviously there, too. It's just, like, like I said, throwing five innings today, he's at least not pitching the next game. Yep. Um... And we've we've put it off, but um, I mean, there was one glaring negative in this game. Uh, we mentioned it, but uh, we should probably spend a little more time on it. Chris Sale just was not good. Um, I will say, I think he was hurt a little bit by Kyle Schwarber playing first base. Um, Schwarber cannot move over there. His range is about four inches um, in either direction. So there were a couple balls that I thought he could have at least knocked down. Maybe that changes the inning a little bit, but even if Sale maybe doesn't give up those runs in the first and goes a little bit longer, it was never going to go well with him. Um, He didn't have it. That changeup is just not a pitch he can use right now, and it's killing him to be a two-pitch guy. Um, The grand slam to Luplo, at the time at least, felt like the real backbreaker, and it was the backbreaker for his outing. And I mean, that was a fastball pretty fairly, I mean, not significantly above the zone, but it was like safely above the zone and Leplow was able to catch up with his ease and put it over the fence. And I mean, I think that more than anything says where Sale is right now, that he's he's got to be able to get that fastball by guys, and it was destroyed.
1: Yeah. Um, last start, we kind of saw him start to move away from his changeup, limiting himself to being a two-pitch pitcher, uh, and they're, both of those pitches are just not where – he needs them to be and yeah. we pretty much saw that continue this start he threw one change up in the 30 pitches that he threw so he basically abandoned it and was just going slider fastball and they were both slightly down um on the pitch velocity compared average pitch velocity compared to the season um so i just think it's kind of getting a little bit of wear on him now and not only that, he's just struggling to locate it, too. He got zero whiffs on his fastball. Yeah. Uh, and if you're starting from there, that's an uphill battle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris Sale, like Pete Chris Sale a few years ago, 2017, 2018, Chris Sale can get by without a changeup. Because um, Pete Chris Sale, his fastball is actually like three different pitches. And his slider is good enough that he could probably throw that every time. And, um be fine. But yeah, he's just not that guy right now. And again, this is another conversation that I think we'll have a lot in the offseason. And there's something to be said about coming off Tommy John and all that. I don't I don't know that hitting the panic button for the duration of Chris Sale's contract is necessarily uh, the most rational move right now. But I think in the short term, being worried about Chris Sale is absolutely rational. And um, I mean, does he start another game in the series? We are at least guaranteed a game four now. Um, and even that's up in the air um, as to who starts but if, if they get to a game five are you willing to put Chris Sale out there because I don't know if I am
1: I don't think I am yeah it's not a great feeling <laughs> no and I don't know I don't know I mean I guess it's got to be Hauk, right I don't um, know because it's a really short rest though yeah
0: well so I think I mean I don't think there is any plan right now and i don't think there can be i think you just got to hope that Evaldi gives you um a good start on monday and he gets through like 5 or 6 and you can save some of those bullpen arms and then um but i think they're just going to basically just try and patch things together um for game 4 and game 5 if it ends up being necessary but um because yeah i mean this it's amazing that they we were able to split these two games with their starters going a combined um, two and two thirds innings. <laughs> yeah.
1: No kidding. I, I mean, they
0: both days, I mean, they might as well have been using an opener uh, for these games because uh, both starters don't make it out of the second inning and then, or don't make it. Uh, so they didn't even make it to the second inning and then pavetta goes four and two thirds and out goes five i mean it's it's not how they drew it up but at the end of the day you go into a five game series as the road team um you're just looking for one win in those first two games and they got it and now they have home field advantage it's i'm still kind of wrapping my head around how quickly things turned from yesterday
1: yeah, and I also briefly just forgot that Nick Pavetta exists. He's probably your Game 5 starter. Assuming that you don't then need him to piggyback Eduardo Rodriguez again. Well, that's what I think
0: the issue is. Because <laughs> yeah. I think I think he might be the Game 4
1: starter, honestly. Um, and if he's not, I think then um,
0: you're at least having a very, pretty good idea that you're going to have to use him in that game. So I, that's why I said you're kind of patching it together, and it depends on the context. If you can avoid yep. using Pavetta somehow... Um, That would be great, but I don't know. But like I said, they're still – As long as it's not Martin Perez. (laughs) Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. Watch that's going to happen. It's going to be Alex Vertugo, apparently. um,
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: To be a two-way player. He's convinced. He said by 2023 he will be uh, able to pitch in the Leaf. I think think he had talked about this before. Okay. And I think his idea was just to be a guy that a team, the team could go to in a blowout to save the relievers, which I guess. But I don't know. Again, this is a conversation for the offseason. But, yeah, that's a story that came out today. Alex Verdugo is his heart set on pitching. So um, that will be an interesting thing to monitor this weekend. Um, anything else from this game that I haven't touched on yet? Got a Danny Santana appearance?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's cool um, I don't think so. I think we covered it all. I think we got
0: it, too. Um, So, yeah, um, we're not going to record a podcast tomorrow, obviously, because we need a day off. Um, So we can do game three predictions this time. I don't want to brag, but we kind of nailed it. Not with the score. I don't think any of us got the score even remotely close, but we did. All three of us uh, (laughs) did call Red Sox wins. Last one. So what do you got for uh, game three? It's Evaldi against uh, Rasmussen, right? Yeah, Rasmussen.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go three nothing Red Sox.
0: I'm gonna go five to one, Red Sox. Evaldi goes seven shutout,
1: and uh, yeah, that that oh boy would that feel great. This this is this is why I w- this game in particular was huge because now you now you've got Evaldi going at home and you feel like you've got all the momentum of the series on your side.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's
1: uh, I think this that's is a why, big one. That's why sales poor first inning felt so deflating because it felt yeah. like the beginning of the it end felt, of the entire series
0: yeah it felt like the series i mean um we don't name names with somebody in our group uh our group dm may or may not have sent a broom emoji a little prematurely um <laughs> yeah. but i don't think anybody pushed back on it either so yeah. um things things swung very quickly for the better um yeah i think that'll do it for today's show um it's getting a little late here so we'll wrap this one up but i hope you guys enjoyed what you heard uh if you did please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts uh leave us a rating and a review if applicable on those platforms um you can follow us on twitter i run the over the monster account at over the monster uh keaton is at the spoken keats and uh you can find all of our writing at over and uh we'll be back with you uh monday morning